Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, you are very welcome to The Tonight Show. Despite recent efforts from government, Virgin Media Television's State of the Nation poll finds that childcare still remains a crippling cost for many families. We hear from Beirut as Tanishta and Minister of Defence Michal Martin visits Irish peacekeepers and Lebanese officials following the death of Private Sean Rooney. I will be uh, really emphasising the necessity for a thorough uh, investigation uh, and that those uh, responsible for this heinous crime uh, would be brought to justice. And the war in Ukraine ramps up, the doomsday clock ticks on, and does the average voter actually care about expensing election posters? We discuss the big stories of the week with our panel. Well, the cost of childcare in this country is a long-standing problem that predates the cost of living crisis and it remains a burden for many families. While government says a record number of children are benefiting from subsidies and supports, according to the results of Virgin Media Television's State of the Nation Red Sea poll, it would appear there is a way to go before many families feel early childcare is really affordable. Let's take a look at some of those findings. Over one-third of people are concerned about their ability to meet childcare costs within the next 12 months. 57% of respondents express that there's limited choice of affordable childcare in their area. 26% are experiencing childcare costs as one of their biggest financial commitments each month. And this figure rises to 41% among 18 to 34 year olds. And almost four in ten or their partners would consider giving up work to mind the children full time to save money on childcare costs. Well, for more on this, I am joined tonight by Fine Gael Senator Mary Siri Kearney, News Talk presenter Kieran Cudahy, broadcaster Niall Boylan, and parenting journalist. Jen Hogan, you are all very welcome to the programme. And Jen, I'm going to start with you because there were some positives when it came to childcare in the last budget. There was investment, the burden was lifted for families to some degree, but I suppose it was such a long time coming and the investment had been so minuscule prior to that that we started from a point where it was incredibly expensive so we have a long way to go before it's affordable. A long way to go and I was speaking to parents about this today and they were saying yes they absolutely appreciate the subsidies but even with the cost of living crisis that we're in at the moment and with the increased cost of other things it's been swallowed up they feel in terms of their general income uh, the money that they're having to spend on other things they're not getting to feel the benefit of it yet so it's not really a surprise when you look at some of the statistics there and some of the 
the figures there, even the thing about four in ten speaking about uh, stepping back from work and maybe taking care of their children full time. I'm almost surprised it was only four in ten because this has been going on for a long, long time where, and it is women in particular, women have been disproportionately impacted by the cost of childcare because it's often women who reduce their hours or step back from work. And we talk about this gender pay gap. There is a motherhood penalty, actually. Cliff Taylor had a very interesting piece in the Irish Times today just speaking about that, that uh, the gender pay gap. And the motherhood penalty has a role to play in this and it has a big part to play in it. And they're stepping back because it's not worth their while get, um, working and paying childcare, or uh, if they can even access childcare in the first place. And that other stat that for 40% of people between 18 to 34, mm. which is probably the age when people have young yeah. you know, children, and that's when they're most costly, I know that mm -hmm. uh, firsthand, yeah. uh, for 40% of people, it's one of their biggest monthly outgoings. And we've heard that phrase time and time again for people, yeah. it's a second mortgage it's a second or it's a mortgage. second rent. In fact, it's probably in excess for a lot of people. It is. It's, I mean, they're huge costs, absolutely huge costs. It's actually putting people off, some uh, parents report, today it's putting them off having a second child in some cases because it's such a it's such an, a huge part of their income as is they can't afford to have another a sibling or another child if they want if they want to because they just can't they can't manage it and with the cost of rent or the and difficulties around housing it's just not an option for them at all it was one of the real difficulties i think in this budget is yet there was a lot done mary if you had a child in a really traditional childcare setting if you had them in a full-time crash or if you had them in a montessori but if you had an au pair or you had a child at home you're sent your child to a childminder there wasn't much done for you and that's perhaps why there's still so many people considering it to be one of their biggest monthly outgoings. Well, I, th I think the, the fact of the cost of childcare is something that has been long recognised by government and year on year we've been on a trajectory of increasing the subsidy within childcare. So in mainstream childcare where it is accountable, where government can, can see where the money is going, where parents can uh, receive the benefit of that. So in, in January of this year we saw a really substantial intervention where the, the uh, payment under the NCS scheme was, was based on an hourly increase, so it went from 50 cent an hour to 140 an hour, and that was very substantial. It was 62 euros a week of a decrease in the cost of childcare for per child, uh, which is which is substantial if you were had a child in full-time childcare. I, I appreciate though if you have a childminder um, or or no pair at home, and um, that that as yet we're not at that stage. However, we are in the process of the ch of a childminding strategy, and that is to ensure that is a, a, a universality of of support in childminding, that there is that flexibility and that we register childminders. So if you're with a registered childminder, there, there are means of, of getting support there. Uh, and there are subsidies that go to childminders for people who want to register and, and set up a childminding facility in their old home. I think we know that there is a minuscule proportion of childminders in this country that are registered and that can avail of that. Absolutely. But that's, they, that's just but, the setup uh, that's always been. During when, when the childcare strategy, the childminding strategy was launched, we had a number of the childminding groups in uh, to the, the, child, the Children's Committee and yet they talked about that there is this reluctance, this fear of registering and in actual fact it's a, it is the job of government to ensure that people are informed as to the benefits and we're seeing a slow increase uh, certainly in people registering for childminding. So what, we what have, because one of the been? results of your 
Uh, I, and I can't give you the other than I know that it is increasing. And as you talk to child minding groups, they are showing that increase of an interest in, in it, it, I suppose, seeing we, we need people registered in order to be able to go, extend the subsidies right. beyond the traditional child okay. care. Okay, Kieran, do you place. think the system as it currently stands is working, is fair? It's fairer than it was. Like, I mean, several governments, it's not just this one, have increased the investment in early childhood education, childcare, however you want to describe it. We're certainly not up at European standards as a percentage of GDP in terms of what we spend yet. It's but still it's less fair. than one percent. Yeah, here, it's, isn't it's, it? but it's it's fairer than it, it than it certainly than it it used to be. But I mean, Jen is like housing is the is the kind of the elephant in the room here. Like it's it's the cost of housing, and you have to think about the age profile and think of the age profile of the respondents to the Virgin Media survey as well, and those between eighteen and thirty four who are most profoundly impacted. They're also the people who are paying the highest rents in the history of the state. That's what makes childcare cripplingly expensive for them. Like it was a 10, 15 years ago, you're right, like this was a story that people talked about, it was a scandal, I, people I said we needed to think, do something. I still think, sorry, here to cut across you, I still think if people were paying more manageable rents, the cost of childcare in this country would still appear extortionate. Oh, sorry. In comparison to our European it, counterparts. It, it, it would be more extortionate in comparison to our European mm. counterparts, but you would have more disposable income to spend on that childcare. And I'm not necessarily saying that's fair compared to the rest of Europe, but at least you would have it. I think the problem is that we've got a situation now that people are genuinely holding off having children, maybe not having a second or a third. And I know there's an argument out there, if you can't afford it, don't have it. That is detrimental to society down the line. Okay. If we financially disincentivize people having children. Uh, and I think that's where Niall probably wants to come in. <laughs> that is your, one of your points of view, isn't well, it? Well, it, 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 well, it should just, be a consideration. Well, well no, it should be a consideration. I mean, I think everybody, I mean, when we had our first children going back, you know, 25 years ago, I mean, it is a consideration. When you get married, you know, you get married, you buy a house, then you start to have the children, you have a couple of holidays before you have your first child to get it out of the way. So that is all preparation for being married in life. Now, I do understand what people are saying, and we should be looking at maybe something like the French model, whereby higher earners pay more money for childcare costs, up to 800 quid in France. 250 for lower income earners. Mm. So we should be subsidising to some degree. But the problem is when the government oversubsidise something, the quality reduces and then it becomes abused as well. So you can't oversubsidise because, of course, that, the, the, whole, the whole system will suffer if you oversubsidise because so the subsidy a... is not passed on. Because I spoke to people. But do you actually think, though, Niall, that when you're sitting down, if you're trying to plan whether to have children or not have children or have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, that you need to think, can I afford Absolutely. this? And that it's not up to government. Well, well it's to not up to every taxpayer in the, in the country to fund your children. You have to fund them to some degree yourself. You know, you can't expect everything for your children for free. And one of the problems with having children, if you both want to work, is that somebody has to look after those children. So that has to be factored okay. in. Typically women, which is typically women. Well, and not that's always typically women. But women, well, well, if you I go back you to the Sullis, Sullis did a poll back in 2017 where they asked women who were in the workplace if they were paid the same amount of money would they like to stay at home and they said yes primarily they said yes okay. so what I'm saying to you is it's not always it's because women in a lot of cases choose to do that or take up and that is, role. Is that actually Jen one of the discussions that we never have about um, childcare in this 
country is that the model that we have now created in this society and the economy that we've created is that if there is a single parent or both parents that they both need to go out to work now and we don't discuss how perhaps we need to support people to stay at home if they want to. Absolutely we have take there is a, an element of choice there that has been taken away and we don't have a situation really where people can afford necessarily for someone to stay at home but they're being forced maybe to stay at home because when they look at the childcare costs versus their income costs and versus their other overheads <clears throat> but it is something that disproportionately impacts women completely disproportionately impacts women and while they might like to stay at home it, it, the choice is gone and I think that's where where the huge difference is but childcare is largely a, a women's issue and until it becomes a societal issue nothing I is I going don't to change. Believe, I think it's unfair to say it's a women issue, women's issue it's a family issue and I think it's both men and women it's a couple couples work as a team together but, when they get married well, or when they are I together with children. I want to Kieran because it was one of the stats there about uh, the 40% of people uh, who were surveyed saying they would consider giving up work because of the cost of childcare. Was that a conversation in your house? Was it ever you that was going to be the one to stay at home or more likely to be your, uh, your wife? No, when our children were very young, um, my wife went back to work after maternity leave. Now she did give up work <laughs> um, when, just before they started, uh, just before our first started primary school. And I think it was just, uh, yeah, like it, it was a quality of life thing. Like, I suppose we were in the position financially where we were able to afford one of us to reduce hours, to work a little bit less. And she wanted to spend more time at home with the kids while they were still young and before they went off to school and kind of had their own lives. And if I'm being entirely honest, I never considered it and I wouldn't consider it. Just not and you for wouldn't. Me. No. And you wouldn't. No, but that's. Well, she made that choice. She made that choice. Of all men, either. Yeah. Like, it was, but, do you think, just, but do you think that viewpoint? If my wife is, had said to me, Kieran, I absolutely want to stay working. Would you have any interest, by the way, in staying at home and mind the kids? I would have said, no, you're grand. And I think that's really I, it, isn't I, it? Especially I, if it is a quality of life issue and you're, and you're looking at your children and some children having to spend really long hours in childcare, particularly again because of the housing situation, yeah. they're moving far out. Somebody might look at staying at home. If dad doesn't want to stay at home and mum continues to work, then there's the cold quality of life is compromised. So largely women will look at staying back, staying behind and staying at home if it's not because of cause, because they want to give their kids, they want to spend time with it, kids and want them not to be in such long hours. I'm just going to ask you a question because um, I know the government has introduced these subsidies and these supports um, for mm -hmm. uh, childcare in this country, but Sinn Féin have said um, in an interview recently, I think Kathleen Function said their aim would be to have universal free childcare for everyone notwithstanding whether you're disastrous. working or not working or whether you earn 250,000 or 20,000. Is that an ambition for this government? Well, I think that the programme for government uh, absolutely commits to an, increased, an increasing subsidy year on year in childcare to ensure that we have that intervention. Uh, a universality of experience for children because childcare isn't child minding. It is about child development. It's about fostering creativity. When, when centres are inspected and they're curriculum and their okay. day is inspected and the, there is a diversity of child experience so I think that's really important okay but I think the by, point they were by making setting was in standards there's, there's free secondary school there's free primary school uh, for kids in this country why wouldn't we just have free preschool or well, free um, Montessori or creche for children prior to four or five years of age? Well, the, the Minister has made a commitment that we will be increasing the subsidies. At this moment in time, it is now 25% less in the subsidy that's being that's being paid. You know, the subsidy is 25% of, of childcare costs. That's increasing. And, and an, an important feature to, to mention is... So universal that there free are is not an ambition of Fine 
it, it isn't just about that. I mean, there has to be balances about ensuring that there is capacity, ensuring that we are um, reducing the administrative burden on, on services, okay. because there is a lot of record keeping. But, but there is a really important thing here, and that is that there is the NCS universal subsidy, but also there is an income-based subsidy that is substantially higher than that again. And but it's a means from test. It's means test. But where you have people in that 18 to 34 age group, who are challenged in their income, there is no reason why they wouldn't okay. go and they wouldn't look for that subsidy as well and uh, see if they can qualify and get that extra intervention in the care of their uh, children. Given the fact, Kieran, that it seems to be more difficult to introduce subsidies or supports for people who aren't using the traditional creche or Montessori, whether it's an au pair or a, a childmind or whatever, is another way of supporting parents here who do seem to be struggling, according to this poll, uh, still with the costs of childcare to increase child benefit? Yeah, arguably, but again, it'd have to be like uh, maybe a, a kind of contrary uh, to popular opinion. I, child benefit should be means tested, I think, in this country. Like, I, 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 and I understand the principle that the payment isn't to the parent; the payment is for the child. At the same time, children don't live in a vacuum; they're dependent on those parents, and if those parents can afford to raise them. I mean, there was, there were, there was an internal report from the uh, Department of Finance uh, a couple of years ago that Danny McConnell got a sight of, and it was reported to the Irish Examiner. And they made the point, the Department of Finance themselves made the point, that far too many benefits in this country are paid to too many people. And it means that, we've, that they are spread too thin and, and they should be targeted more at the people who need them. In other words, people who don't need them get them, and the people who really need them, who would really benefit from the support you're talking about, they don't get enough support. I mean, Jen, that possibly means Somebody the, like you, sorry to bring Jen back in here, you probably wouldn't get that payment. What would that mean? The, the, well, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with Kieran there. I don't think it should be means that I absolutely agree we need more targeted payments too. But I think you're disincentivising people from having children. I also think having spoken to parents about this and the sort of things they use child benefit for, and these were parents who said that they feel if it was means tested, they would lose out. They use it to support things like books. They use it to support treatments, maybe private treatments for children who um, might need additional supports, maybe have additional needs. They use it towards paying for activities to keep their children involved in sports, which the cost of which is varies hugely around the country. They use it to have them maybe in other social things for other supports that their children might need. Not necessarily, again, children with additional needs here, but children who might be struggling in other areas of school and they want to have them feeling part of the community, making friends. They use them to give their children particular opportunities but or pay bills. And these parents feel that if they were to be means tested, because especially at the moment with the cost of living crisis, they would probably lose that benefit. And so they, you know, it would be a huge loss to okay. them. Nell, what do you think? I would have no issue with it being child benefit being means tested at a reasonable amount. If you were to say 150,000 or something like that, but yeah, for family income. But because, of course, you could have two people earning 50 grand, which bring up to 100. And 100,000 is not a lot when you've got a big mortgage and you've got bills to pay and you've got a car to look after, etc. Two cars maybe for both going to work. But anything less than that, I think it would be unfair to me in test. In relation to this idea that you could give childcare for free, that could never happen. If we did that, all that would happen is we reduce the, the quality of the childcare. It'll be abused. It'll be used by people who don't even need to use well, it. I need to deal with that, the, the idea of reducing the quality. There's no, there's, uh, that's absolutely not the case. From 2016, everyone, every professional working in the childcare, and there are, and, and we have thousands of them all over the country, have to be qualified to particular standards. And so there is a universality of, of qualification. There's also curriculum, content, creativity, that, uh, the, the materials that are used. All of that is supported by the state. And the other part of it, the national childcare scheme, applies to children up to the age of 15. 
you know, so it's not just a, a child, a, a preschool service. And also we have two years now of okay. under the ECCE scheme or the ECHI scheme right. of children having free access to, to school where, the, where, you know, and having those okay. days and that intervention. And that's important to emphasise. I, I just want to go to one other issue that was raised by our president, Michael D. Higgins, this legend. week. Jen, uh, you've just called him a legend, so I feel like you're in support uh, of God what he said, him. which is time to scrap the homework. He said schools are for education, home is for oh. home, spending time with friends, family and creative activities. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. He is spot on here and I wish our politicians would pay attention. I wish our Minister for Education would listen and take action yeah. here and actually stop leaving this to the, to the schools to decide. School is for education. There is no um, research that will really back up that, that homework is of any academic benefit to primary school age children okay. in particular. Okay. I'd be interested, Mary, in your opinion on this. I, I have a, a mixed view because I think that depending on the home, if parents are obliged to help their children with, with their homework, they may not have the level of literacy that is required. So I think that from that experience, you don't want parents shamed in front of their children or unable to assist children with their, with their homework. Okay. So I think that we need to be sensitive about that. However, this call isn't coming from teachers. And at the end of the day, teachers... Um, our, our, so our, where do you stand? Because so I, I, I think personally, we, we I have a seven-year-old. Uh, there are occasions when, and I, I, was I think they love us. Let's work. I've been in the parliamentary party when I've got a screenshot of the homework to say, "What does this mean?" Do I, 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 I think this is anecdotal, but plenty of teachers I know would love to see homework abolished. And actually, and I've heard someone in favour. I'm just wondering what what Gale's position is because you are the spokesperson on children. Yes, but I mean, we don't have an official position on homework because homework is the province of teachers, and if they call for for it and if they they want homework abolished it's but there is a fact vital. that homework, homework also though gives parents a feedback in how their mm -hmm. children are doing how okay. where they're struggling it, it, there is I don't, a, I don't an think intervention we have like that. here in the panel so we're going to have to leave it there for now <laughs> but thanks to all of you uh, for joining me on that tap topic and my thanks to Mary and Jen uh, for joining me the rest of the panel staying with me and after the break we are going to be discussing their winners and losers from the past week Some of the other big stories that have stolen the spotlight this week. Kieran Cullihy and Niall Boylan are still with me, and I'm also joined now by Dublin editor of the Irish Times, Olivia Kelly. Uh, Olivia, you're very welcome to the programme. We're going to start with our winners of the week, and you and Kieran have both picked the same person, which is Vladimir Zelensky. Mm. Um, is that because of the win in securing these tanks from the United States and from Germany? He's been calling for them for a long time. Indeed, indeed. Since the start of the conflict, really, he's been asking for this sort of military hardware and finally it's come and it's it's possibly a, a gateway to two other things you know possibly even we're talking not just ground forces from now on you know he's, he's possibly getting uh, you missiles know, fighter jets that sort of thing that he's and been looking given for the fact that he had called for them for so long it was actually quite surprising because his reaction was really quite muted wasn't it it was indeed yeah yeah i thought the same myself i thought the same myself but you know there's some concern, I think, about the time lag as to when these are going to arrive, you know, and they're really, they're really facing very, very immediate, desperate situation. But yeah, it's and and there's speculation of whether it will open the door to more or not. But yeah, it's clearly, 
It is a, it is a big breakthrough for him. Um, the difficulty here, Kieran, I suppose, and the reluctance from particularly the German point of view was, you know, that really difficulty, I'd imagine, in, in, in the, the idea of sending tanks east again, it always will harp back to World War II for them. But also a real fear, I think, in, among certain members of the um, German public and indeed politicians, that it makes them a target, notwithstanding the fact that Germany has sent so much military aid to Ukraine since the start of the war. Do you see this as an escalation in the type of support Europe has given? Well, yeah, there's, there's no other way to describe it other than an escalation. Now, the question is whether it, you know, it's, it's, it's a worthy escalation, like it's a justified escalation. In my own view, yeah, it is. Like, you know, I've, as, as Olivia said, I, I picked Vladimir Zelensky as one of the winners of the week as well. So I think this was the right thing to do, to provide these tanks. But it is an escalation in the same way that the HIMARS that they were previously provided with, that was an escalation at the time, that some of the aerial defences was an escalation. The next big escalation uh, that uh, might be on the cards, rather the thing that the Ukrainians are going to come looking for next, mm. by all accounts, will be long-range missiles. Now, see, the question is, where's the red line for European countries, for NATO in particular? So we can take it as red, troops on the ground, that's a red line, that's not going to happen. But Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Where is the red line before that? You know, is it before or after long-range missiles? At the moment, there's reluctance. And it's, it, we're going through the same dance as we did with the tanks. Mm. They don't want to send these because it's seen as an unnecessary provocation because you can target... And the same with the fighter jets. You can target Russia as well. Yeah, but the, uh, the fighter jets, like... Which I think I, the I think Germans have said they about, are not sending. Yeah, the Kira Rudik, the MP, is talking about F-16s. Uh, Ukrainian pilots are not trained to fly F-16s, first of all. So there's kind of, there's kind of just a bit of optics going on there. Long-range missiles are the next big thing, because if they withstand this spring offensive from the Russians, the expectation is then that they're going to want to push forward themselves with an early summer offensive. Uh, the tanks would be central to that, but they would want long-range missiles to target deep behind the Russian front lines. So the question now is whether or not a country like Germany should resist. 
that request, should they? Yeah, well, they will first. Uh, and the view in Ukraine is what you get from Germany is kind of nine, 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 maybe, maybe, yeah, okay, finally we'll do it. And they went through that with aerial support, they went through that with the tanks, and you would imagine behind the scenes the process has already started for long-range missiles. And I'm not sure, is it fair to say there's an expectation they'll get to, yes, but there'll be a hope from the Ukrainian side that they'll go through the same dance and ultimately they might get them. Do you see this as, as provocation of the Russians? I mean, we did see this doomsday clock, which I have to be honest, I hadn't heard about, or I'd certainly perhaps heard about and forgotten about. Was um, it 90 seconds to the end? Now, 90 seconds all, yeah. to sort of global collapse. It's this metaphor <laughs> yeah. for global collapse. It was 100 seconds. I think that's Mary Robinson there moving it forward, 10 seconds. But it is a direct response, I suppose, to the fear that Russia will respond perhaps with some sort of nuclear attack um, and that they are being provoked into doing so perhaps by the sending of tanks like this and perhaps further further I mean look Kieran and Olivia know a lot more about this than I clearly do and, and I'm not going to claim to know a lot I don't like Vladimir Zelensky um, I don't like Russia I don't like what's going on. I do believe it's provocation. And it always concerns me when other countries get involved in this war. I know Sabina Higgins was lambasted for what she said. I think she was calling at that particular time. I think maybe the context of her words weren't seen correctly that she was calling for peace. I think that's what everyone in the world would realistically want is peace, particularly the people in Ukraine. But when I see you know, other countries getting involved, no matter on what sort of level they get involved, this all adds fuel to that fire. And we are dealing with somebody who is but clearly... what's the alternative, I suppose? Well, the alternative is, the alternative is talks. And, and the alternative is somebody at some point has to give in. And that's just the reality of this. But it's not the only alternative. But, but, but it is the reality. No, Either Russia has to give in, somebody has to give in. Somebody has to give in. Providing support is talks. The other alternative is just You can't that, keep fighting. It's just that the Russians just grind People just keep dying. All, all that's going to happen is innocent people from Russia, uh, because they are innocent soldiers, they're just defeat. people like... Uh, and innocent people from Ukraine yeah, but no, are dying. My, my point is so that it's not fair to, to present in. it as a binary choice between... But it is support. a binary choice. No, it's not. But people have shown no interest in so I have how, no how do we, for Putin. I have, you no, know, I have absolutely is, no love for what he's doing. How do you achieve that, though? If, if he, one party will not come to the table. He is a crazy dictator, but he is but the type of person. But if he won't come to the table, what do you do? Okay, then? so what's the alternative? Other countries get involved and more people okay. lose their lives. Other countries get involved and other countries then become part of that war and more people lose their lives. Or that crazy person decides to press a button one day and thousands of people die. All because we're not willing to surrender something. All right. Okay, well, it's like I want we, to try to No, I mean, I don't mean Exactly, and we can't speak on behalf of the people of Ukraine, uh, or indeed Vladimir Zelensky. I want to move on to your winner of the week, um, Niall Boylan, which I think might surprise some people. I think it might surprise some people Pascal because, because I like him. You know, I, I like Pascal. And, you know, I mean. So forgive all? No, it's, it's not a case of forgive all, right? Because. What made me laugh during the week is that Sinn Féin and Louise O'Reilly, for example, said he had lost credibility in relation to his explanation for what had happened and his dealings with Michael Stone. Now, Michael Stone is a credible businessman. Yes, there were undertakings, and we can see him there on the screen, there were undertakings that certainly um, he said he omitted to mention. This is in relation to the van during the, the, the election campaign. Now, other stuff came out as well in relation to companies that he had owned. But in saying that, he stood defiant. Um, he was defended, of course, by Leo Varadkar and by Michal Martin. I don't believe if we looked at every single politician in this country, if we looked at every single person in this country, and I'm looking around the table here today, I think if we look back in time, there's been cronyism in all our lives. A bit of nepotism probably in all our lives at some point or another. And if we were to scrutinise 
and under a microscope, which is what is happening particularly to politicians at the moment, some worse than others. So we have the leader of the country involved in leaking documents to his best but mate, is that, is for that God's sake. Is that an excuse, So you know what I mean? So, but, but no, Olivia, but what, what I'm saying is, it's not, the worst, it's not the worst thing in the world that has happened. I mean, I mean, Sinn Féin basically shouldn't be okay. telling stones okay, in glass okay. houses. Okay, okay, I, 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 mean? I think what Niall's saying is, it's not the worst, it could be worse, and sure this has been going on for well, a long time. Well, I, I agree, I agree with Niall in one sense. He, Pascal is a winner this week, as in everyone who mattered rallied around him and he is safe at this stage and you know the, the Sinn Féin call for a vote of no confidence that's gone away now you know he, he is you know I may be jinxing him but he's home and dry as far as I can see at he's this a nice stage. guy so in that stage he is <laughs> I'm not do just you Pascal, do you think? I agree yeah Pascal's a nice guy I think he's guy. a clever guy like and you know what I think he's one yes. of the best politicians we have in government and I'm not a fan of Fianna Gael um, your loser of this week was not Pascal Donoghue. Your loser of this week was the CAM story, the mental health services for children. Uh, Kieran, why? Yeah, but it's related to Pascal mm. Donoghue because that was a genuine scandal, and it's not the only failing of this government. Sorry, the and CAMs. The, ca sorry, ca CAMs was a genuine, genuine scandal, scandal, not the Pascal no, Donoghue. No, Pascal Donoghue wasn't. I mean, it was an oversight, and we're all guilty of it. And Niall is right. Sinn Féin had their cops softened when stories came out about them being equally guilty of. Uh, uh, oversights in, in recording election expenses. But we had a really damning report out this week about some of the state's most vulnerable citizens, children and adolescents with mental health difficulties. Stories about some of them waiting over two years to see a specialist. We have stories, and we've heard stories, and I'm sure you've heard them, on the airways, in newspapers, of children with suicidal thoughts, and the best advice that can be given to them is just go down to the local emergency department because we don't have the CAMS support in this area to help you out. Complete geographical lottery is what we have in this country country as to the support for those children and you know what I don't even think it was a geographical lottery but you know what? I think uh, yeah. bar I think one zone in Ireland the other six cam zones were not providing an adequate yeah, service that's, to that's children fair. in the but area 18 month waiting list is certainly not an adequate service yeah yeah no or it's not it's it's and but the, the point is that but the that's day not the story after that, that report came out the doll they spent the entire day talking about election posters there was no mention of that and like th this was my kind of gripe with the whole Pascal Donoghue story is Pascal did something wrong and there just should be consequences and you know that the punishment should fit the crime and all of that but there are serious mm. failings that this government are guilty of and that is one such failing the other failing again is related to some of the well, most vulnerable who, citizens of the state and it's children with additional needs. Well who do you hold them responsible? Is that media's fault? Is that opposition's I think, fault? I think Kira, we have to take dominate. some of the blame for it because I think the media we have to take some of the blame because you know the stories like Pascal or like Enoch Burke for example they distract the media completely away from what's really important in society. And we've done that to ourselves. So we're right. well, actually, Olivia, your um, loser of the week is Enoch Burke. This saga yeah. continues uh, on and on and on. The High Court today ruled that um, he's to be fined €700 Euro a day if he does not agree to uh, a court order to stay away from the school by 2pm tomorrow. Uh, first of all, why do you think this story has dominated for so long? Well, well, because of Enoch Burke, because of Enoch Burke's persistence in, in what he's doing here. And the reason I call him the loser of the week, because he's lost his livelihood now. Like, who, what school in their right mind would employ the man now after this? Um, and, you know, there no, I, think is, in fair, I don't think there was ever any questions of the kind of type of teacher he was or the skill that he presented as a 
teacher, but it possibly will be difficult for him to to um, to go forward and look for employment elsewhere if that is what he is going to do, which it, yeah, some would wonder even, if he will, yes. because it appears that he wants to be reinstated. Do you think that is the goal here, Kieran? He must or know that that's not possible. His goal is martyrdom. His goal is martyrdom. Yeah, it is. He, it, he's he's like some Jesuit priest in Elizabethan England who turns up from the continent and instead of actually tending their flock, he wants to get caught and burned in Tyburn for the notoriety. You know, he's not an to, but you know what? accidental Obviously, martyr. But he you would know say what? Otherwise, he's looking for martyrdom. Can I, can I say something? I mean, look, the Burke family, I wouldn't be fans of them. I don't agree with anything they stand for. I mean, no, no. realistically, and okay, a lot of people don't. Look at the, the, yeah. I, I, I'm very conscious that the Burke family no, are no, not no, here. No, 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 no. I mean, look, we all know. Ian Burke is not I, here, I, even though I know he did a position. I refer to their Christian values. opportunity to speak to media today, and he did. I refer to their Christian values, right? You know, I'm not religious at all, so I don't believe in anything that they stand for. And they would be people would be very familiar with their Christian values. And I don't believe I, I don't stand for anything that Enoch Burke stands for. But the one thing I'll say is the man is persistent. He stands up for his principles. If half the politicians in Ireland were as good as that or stood up for the principles, I think we'd have a very good country. So if you have to, that's the only thing I'll ever credit the man for, that he's persistent. You know, he has the tenacity to stand there every day. The judge has said if he, does, if he doesn't learn his lesson from the 700 quid a day fine, he's going to increase it. I mean, I'm Whether waiting to see his day in court. Not, who knows? Where do you think this could end, Olivia? Well, there is a process there where he can appeal. Mm. It's unlikely that appeal will be su successful, but I think he will go to that school every day while that appeal possibility is still there, whether he lodges an appeal or not. If he does, he may keep on going to the school until that timeline has run out for an appeal to be adjudicated right. on. But I, I, do, I do doubt that the, the judges hope that this will deter him from going to the school. I, I doubt that that's realistic. I think he will come back. OK, I just want to move on to, uh, Niall, to your loser of the week, which I think would have been a lot of people's uh, winner, will be the Banshees of Inishirin and our record number of nominations at this <laughs> year's Oscars. I don't, I don't want to upset like people. No, I, I decided, right, I better watch this and see what all the panic is about. So I put it on. Two blokes who don't speak to each other anymore, and one bloke who's as good as fingers. I'm just saying. And one bloke who tries to cut his fingers off unless his mate starts talking to him. They're in a small village. They meet every day in the same pub. They can't miss okay, each other. So I, I and I just the thought feeling... the whole thing, principle behind it, was rubbish. It lasted 20 what minutes. About, what and about I want the, the 20 the, minutes of my life back. The cinematography, oh, the stop. acting. It was, I mean, it kind of portrayed Ireland as this really old place where people act like they're in the 16th century. It's horrendous. I thought it was a terrible film. What did you, Olivia? Did it's you It's like find, Brooklyn. Remember that movie, Brooklyn? Seen it, oh, it, snooze fest. <laughs> will you see it? Uh, yeah, I'd say I probably will eventually go and see it. There'd be a few others of, of the Oscar contenders that'd be a, on my list first after Sun, I'd say I'd probably prefer. What was that old Irish film, Ryan's? Yeah. What was it? Ryan's, Ryan's daughter. daughter. Ryan's daughter. No, it's yeah. worse than that. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people would disagree. It was an amazing week for the Irish industry, wasn't so it? It was great. I haven't and seen the shouldn't... movie yet either. Uh, no, but, uh, but it was an amazing week. And it, look, it's validation for hard work done in like the 80s and 90s by like, I, I spoke to Lenny Abrahamson during the week. In 1991, he made a short movie. It was one of two short movies made in Ireland that year and no feature length film. That was it. That was the entire output of the entire industry in this country. I mean, it's validation for all of that kind of Trojan work. Give me a good Marvel right. movie any day. We're going to leave that there for now. Lots more after the break. When we hear uh, from the Tonish's visit to Lebanon and why the Italians are less than impressed with Ireland's plan to put health warnings on bottles of wine. Stay with us. Welcome back. 
Kieran, Niall and Olivia are still with me, but first, Tanisha Mihon Martin met with Lebanese ministers in Beirut this evening to discuss the investigation into Private Sean Rooney's death. The 24-year-old killed on the 14th of December while serving on a UN mission. For more on this visit, I spoke a little earlier to Virgin Media News correspondent Ashley Nikushla. Uh, Ashling, the Tarnished today spoke with troops, Irish troops based at Camp Shamrock. What did he say to them and what did they say to him about their friend and their colleague, the late Private Sean Rooney? Yes, well, Kira, as you can well imagine, it was quite an emotional day at Camp Shamrock in South Lebanon today. The Thanish that was here only in May, and he said to the troops today when he arrived that he never expected to be back here so soon, and also under such emotionally charged and difficult circumstances. He arrived by helicopter quite early this morning, and he was met with a guard of honour by members of the 121st Infantry Battalion. That is the battalion that Private Sean Rooney was member of. So the troops that were there today meeting the Tanishta, they were Private Rooney's friends, they were his colleagues, they were people who had trained with him. Michal Martin spent a lot of time talking to the troops, talking to them about the last six weeks and it has been an extremely difficult six weeks for the members of this overseas deployment. There's 331 in this deployment and 100 of them are abroad for the first time. So some of them are very, very young, only in their late 18s. The Thanjda also attended a memorial service in a village close to Camp Shamrock called Tibnin. And that village has a memorial erected in the village in memory of the 48 Irish soldiers who have lost their lives here in the line of duty in Lebanon. Sean Rooney's name added to that plaque over the last number of weeks. And it was interesting to note, I suppose, at that memorial today, not alone was the members of the Irish Defence Forces there and the Thanjda and some other dignitaries but there was members from the local community had come out to pay their respects as well. And even being here in Beirut over the last day or two, talking to people here, when they hear that you are Irish, they have heard of the incident that occurred on December 14th and many of them have expressed their sympathies to us as Irish citizens for what has happened. Now, the Thanish, that when he returned to Camp Shamrock today, he had lunch with the troops and he spent quite a considerable amount of time talking to them about how the last six weeks have been been. In his address to them, he mentioned a lot the sacrifice they give in order to come over here for an overseas deployment. You're talking about a period of six months away from their family and their friends and their loved ones. And he mentioned that sacrifice a number of times. And on behalf of the Irish people, he thanked them very firmly for their service. And the Tanishta also met with some Lebanese ministers today, some members of government, where the investigation um, that's been carried out into the death of Private Rooney uh, was discussed. What was said by the Tanishta about that investigation and, and how was it received, Ashling? Yeah, naturally, the, the main um, issue and the main reason for this visit was the visit to Camp Shamrock, but there was a number of meetings that took place around the visit to South Lebanon. Those meetings taking place in Beirut. And firstly, this morning, he met with the UN Under Secretary General Jean Lacroix, and he has a responsibility for peace operations in the UN. And naturally, um, the incident that occurred on the 14th of December was discussed in great detail at that meeting. Michal Martin also meeting this evening 
meeting with the Lebanese Minister for Defence and for Foreign Affairs. He took that opportunity once again at that meeting to reiterate to the Lebanese government the determination of the Irish government to establish all the facts and the circumstances surrounding that incident on the 14th of December, which resulted in Private Rooney losing his life. He said that no stone would be left unturned in order to try and bring those who were responsible for Private Rooney's death to justice. And he told us that the Lebanese government has assured him that their objective is the same. They want to see the same outcome. Ashley Nikushla live in Beirut in the Lebanon forest a little earlier this evening. Um, I want to move uh, back home, Olivia, um, to the news this week that 24 asylum seekers who come into this country were not offered accommodation, mm. were told there was no accommodation for them uh, available. Um, do you accept the proposition from the government that there isn't space at this point? No, I, well... It's hard to say. No, no. Actually, I don't. Don't there, there, You know, there are there are other resources there that could be tapped. You know, where you know there's church buildings, there's community halls, there's all sorts of things. They may not be directly. You know, people mightn't see them as suitable as long-term accommodation. But we're not talking about long-term accommodation. We're talking about short-term emergency. They're certainly better than tents. I really did not see when, in our harshest weather, people had to be put in tents. When there was community halls, you just put in a few beds. You turn on the heating. You tell the people they can't do their zumba or their kickboxing this week because that's what it's being used for now. You know, this is. They should have had, because it had so much notice that this was happening, you know, they should have had better resources in place, but at least now use the resources we have a little bit better. Uh, the, ability, sorry, oh. the ability of any Irish politician to be honest in relation to this whole situation is incredible. I spoke to Michael McNamara today and he talked about more clear transparency when it comes to communicating with communities. But in saying that, I completely disagree there has to be a limit on the amount of people that comes to Ireland. There are people who deserve our help, absolutely, and we should support them in any way we possibly can, who come from absolute danger in other countries, or wars in other countries. So why uh, does it need to be For international protection or well, Ukraine. we have agreed to numbers but, 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 and we're not at those but, but, numbers but, but, in, but in saying that, there's a limit to what we can do. And the government themselves, last night, put why out a statement. This, this was, they put out a statement last night saying there's, there's no room at the end. Why is there a limit? As, as, uh, because there has to be a limit. There's, there, because there's a limit to A, how much money we have. There's a limit to how much accommodation we have. We can't house people as it is. We have people literally cannot get housing in this country or rent anywhere to live. So there's a limit to what we have. I mean, Ireland is capable of holding 10 million people. But we have to do that over a period of time. We can't do it in an instance over one year. And there are many people coming into Ireland Even at the moment and, and a lot of people who, who are deserving of our help. But there are many people who are not deserving of our help. And if we had a better system put in place in immigration policy mm. to deal with those who, who don't deserve our help and they should be sent back to where they came from, the ones that actually deserve our help and the ones who really need our help would be getting it. Well, ironically, I think actually beyond the point about there needing to be a limit, I think most people in government would agree with Niall, which is why they're trying to reform that system and they want a better system and they want to move away from direct provision. I like, I'd probably more in Olivia's camp in terms of marshalling the resources that are there. I think, yeah, of course... There still are. You're, you're, there's a agree, limit, there of course, at some point, but I don't think we're anywhere near it. I think we could... Uh, what we is could the limit? Get, what is the limit? But I don't, I don't well, know what the exact figure is. Can we, can, could, we not, could we not get to a point where we say at the moment, which the government did last night when they put out a statement last night, basically say there's no room at the inn. Can we well, not they just... Well, they didn't. That's not what they said. What they said was, if you're coming from another country and you're in a safe place, don't come to Ireland, we have no accommodation. That's more 
or less with but this. But that's set. not evidence that we're at the limit. But that's but evidence that's that they're but not but using let's, the resources. But let's that we pause have what we have. Let's pause it and reassess. Deal with what we have at the moment. Try to get accommodation for the people that are here instead of having people living in woods and tents or yeah, sorry, but and then restart that, that it and reassess it. That is a recipe for an indefinite pause. Like my, my, what I would really regret in all of this is that a, a couple of years ago during COVID, we were told that one of the lessons, at least one lesson we would take from it, was that the government in an emergency could act with urgency. And, and, and we did see that. And it seems and, that, and, that but it seems that that lesson has been completely forgotten. Is that a fair? Right, think, we've sorry, been warned about this. Is that a fair comment, given the fact that the government has found accommodation for over 70,000 people to say that they haven't been able to respond to this emergency situation? Yeah, I do. I, I still, still is, think that's a fair comment. I think they had all sorts of, as, as Kieran says, in, you know, they know how to respond more quickly now because of the experience we've had with COVID. They had all sorts of plans for modular housing. We're still not seeing that on the ground, you know. And, and as I said, there are easier things that we could be doing rather than just modular housing, as in looking to institutions to use their buildings, all right. which we're, we're not doing to it's any great okay, extent. Okay. I just want to it's move on an to just one final uh, story, which we've been um, just plugging a little bit earlier, which is this sort of controversy that has been created this week because the Irish government is looking to put labels on all alcohol that would um, highlight the link between alcohol and cancer. And we've now had the Italian foreign minister coming out and saying this is an attack, an attack on Mediterranean culture and the Mediterranean uh, diets. What do you think? I think Forza Italia. I mean, oh my God, I know I sound like I'm an old man now just raging against the dying of the light, but can we not enjoy things anymore? I mean, cancer warnings in the bottle of wine. You'd want to be necking some amount of wine. You put a warning yeah, on a steak next. But, but have we not seen um, warnings coming from the Canadian government this in the last week or so where they have said there is no safe amount of alcohol? It might be a difficult truth, but there is no yeah, safe but there's, there's but we no know, safe we way to things. walk out of your front door yeah, in the we morning. Do know, but but do the, I think the Italians have zero to be worrying about. I don't think it's going to affect their <laughs> wine sales or, or any other. Like, they're just one of several wine-producing countries that the Irish love, you know, the Spanish, the French, obviously. You who, know. who, by all accounts, aren't too impressed either. Do you not think these sort of deterrents on a bottle work? No. Just, oh, it won't make a difference. No, I'm no, still smoking. No, I don't smoking. think they work. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't so, make a difference. Doesn't make people think twice. No, I don't perhaps. think so. I don't. It was it one thing. Consumption? I heard a consultant on the radio, an Irish consultant on the radio this morning, and I, I'd always thought that dry January was a bit of nonsense. Yeah. And and he said it actually works. Your liver does recover from from January. Okay, so but so, maybe not January because it's such a long month. But do you know what I mean? February. I don't, I don't, I don't February. drink, so I don't days. care. All right, look, I'm going to have to leave it there. Um, my thanks to all of my guests for joining me this evening. That is it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms and you can also now find us on Instagram and TikTok tonight, the AMTV. But from all the late team here, good night and do take care.